Thank you for joining us for this episode of Journey Now, produced by Journey Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. For more information on Journey Church and our gatherings, visit journeytn.com. Welcome to another Theology Thursday. Thank you for joining us today. Today is kind of a unique day because uh, we are going to, me and Susie and Mike, um, bring uh, some closure to our series that we called What Remains. It prompted a lot of questions in and among our, our people. Uh, we got them text to us. We got them asked after services. Uh, and we just want to um, continue the conversation a little bit. We're not sure we have the answers you may want, but we have um, some dialogue around some of those questions. And we do um, want to have a first, just, just talk about the main theme that we had that, ha- that was a thread throughout that series. And that is this, is that judgment is good news. And, and as and oftentimes we view judgment as, oh no, oh no, I'm, I'm about to experience um, being exposed. I'm about to experience something where I am going to either be shamed or ridiculed or put away. But let's talk about it in light of how the Bible talks about judgment in these cases where we talked about fire and we talked about light and we talked about dirt. And we talked about these things so that we could see, we could see judgment through the lens a little differently. And so, Mike, you were the, you were the crafter of this series. The architect. The architect. I was going to use that word too. Architect. That's a better word. Um, What was it? What was your hope that people would walk away with in their understanding of judgment? Ooh. Well, first, my hope okay. is that we would come we would come away with a bigger understanding of the biblical story mm-hmm. and where judgment fits. That the, the, the story we often tell is a story where heaven and hell are counterparts, and I'm the center of uh, the the journey. I'm the center of the story. Right. Listen, no, no, no. God's the center of the story, and it's really a story about heaven and earth. And hell is the place where the things that don't fit into new creation go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that process of determining what fits into new creation, what doesn't, is called judgment in the Bible. Right. And for for those who have suffered, it is always good news that their suffering doesn't go unnoticed, unseen, unrepaid. That justice mm-hmm. is done, and that God restores everything mm-hmm. back to its original condition. So that's right. you know even even the folks that aren't religious around us want this. They want this. It is the cry of the human heart these days. This is such a mess. Won't someone come and sort it out, tell the truth about the whole thing so we can see mm-hmm. what is real and what is not. And what remains uh, in the scriptures are things like um, the the ways that you've aligned your life with the work of Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, the things that you've said that are true, kind, beautiful, um, that uh, the motives that were pure. I mean, there there is this great swooping picture of God's presence unleashed in its fullness over the earth. And then things are just simply exposed and laid bare and, and uncovered. And, uh, and that's what it takes to get to new creation, that we just tell the truth about things. Mm. Good. 
So judgment is less of me standing before God accounting individually, although I think that's part of it. Paul clearly hints at that. Mm -hmm. The the goal, see, the goal of the Christian life, as it's been construed traditionally, has been to get to heaven and take others with you. We want to we want to poke at that and say, well, the goal of the Christian life seems to be live into the new creation identity you've been given, anticipate the new creation realities that are coming in in community with other new creation people, mm-hmm. and and uh, become the kind of person fit for what it is that God's going to do in His new world. Yeah, bring heaven to earth. Bring yes. heaven to earth. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. That's right. And to me, that radically reshapes the whole, whole narrative. Yes. Yeah, so my judgment isn't based on whether or not I kept some arbitrary law or not. The right. judgment is based on whether or not I've begun to live out the new reality, the 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 reality of new creation in my life, mm-hmm. um, and contributing to dynamics that will continue into the new creation, or contributing to the dynamics that belong to this present age and all mm-hmm. of its evil and suffering. <laughs> Well, one of the things that we talk about a lot at Journey is we always like to remember that God's motive towards us is always love, right? And so when you think about judgment framed that way, it fits very well into that picture of God's love for us, that it's for our own good and his glory, as some would say. But it's it it really does fit with what we believe to be true about the about who God is and and what he's like. Yeah, because the old story is that God hates me. Mm-hmm. And um, and he's so angry, he had to take his wrath out on somebody. Right. So here's mm-hmm. poor innocent Jesus saying, "Dad, hit! Don't hit them. Hit me." Right. And it, but it's also it's also not in line with God being indifferent and right. And all that that's either. That's you know, good. I mean, it's both of those things. Well, can you imagine your child having cancer? Mm-hmm. And and out of love, you hate the cancer. You hate what the cancer is doing sure. to you kid, right? Your wrath Mm -hmm. is against the cancer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, even if your kid, let's say had smoked, you know, their whole childhood and it somehow contributed to the cancer, (laughs) you still hate the cancer. Your love kid, right? Even though choice contributed to the mess, but you hate the mess. That's exactly Mm -hmm. what you're saying. It's not, it's not um, that I hate my kid. It's out of love that I'm so opposed to the cancer. So we yes. see God's wrath against sin because he hates what it does to his image bearers, mm-hmm. even yes. contributing to it. Yeah. And sin doesn't fit into heaven. So it is removed. It is set aside. Yeah. It is put away. Um, in your um uh, sermon, Susie, message, conversation, whatever we're calling you, talked mm-hmm. about the talents and the dirt and the mm-hmm. whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, part of part of the great wrestling match for people in this idea of justice and judgment is how do I how do I take transaction out of it? How do I how do I go? Okay, I'm in this relationship with Jesus not because of transaction. I'm in this relationship with Jesus because it's a love relationship. It's a um, and so oftentimes, especially culturally, mm-hmm. oftentimes Christianity is portrayed in this, you do for me, I do for you. There is this transaction that takes place. Mm-hmm. And so in your story of the talents, um, 
there is this gifting that takes place. There's a gifting yeah. for a, um, a bestowing is, of radical generosity. That's right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's coming. And that, that is a great way of putting it, mm-hmm. which um, all human beings have mm-hmm. all of them, not just the ones that, you know, in, in some circles would say are the elect or some circles would say choose or whatever it is that happens there. But it is all human beings are bestowed upon generously because mm-hmm. of the very makeup of a human being. So how does, how does that play that out in, in this idea, not just of judgment, but in relationship with God? How do you see that? Well, it's interesting because as you're talking, I'm thinking about this, this um, manager or this owner, whatever version you're reading is saying, you know, giving this enormous um, wealth to his servants, he's entrusting it to them. Right. And I mean, I think about like when I give my kids something big, like a car, you know, like for example, when they turn 16 and we help them get a car, we're, we're giving them this, this really, you know, valuable thing for them to, to use, to get places to work. It's for their life to flourish. Right. And so Mm -hmm. it's not like the guy was going away. And, you know, again, one of the important things that we talked about that day is that this is a parable and it's not, it's, it's used to, um, a parable is told in teaching. It's a teaching tool, an illustration that's given to, to cause the hearer or the reader Mm -hmm. in our case to think and to bring questions, unanswered questions to the surface that we can, can then wrestle with. So, you know, what, for me, what was, what came to mind was he's not just giving them his wealth just because he has all this excess and didn't know what to do with it. Right. He's giving it to them. He's entrusting it to them and he's going away for this unknown amount of time. But as he's leaving them, they're still his servants. And so there's a, there's a measure of care and responsibility that he feels for them. And he's entrusting this to them, not only for his own good and the value of, of his kingdom, but also for the betterment and the flourishing of those that he's entrusting it to. Right. And so it's interesting to me, and this is all like post message that this all like kind of spoke to me this way was that it's interesting to me that when he comes back and he's upset with the person who didn't do anything, you know, Uh it's, it's, it's almost like how I imagine I would be upset at a, at an entitled person or child Uh who Uh I, I gave a lot to not because I'm great and I, you know, it's all excess, but like. I gave this to you for your flourishing, for you to develop it, for you to feel good about it, for you to find um, that what you do matters, as Mike said last week. And and what'd Mm -hmm. you do? You just buried it and didn't Mm -hmm. even try and Mm -hmm. didn't even think that, that you didn't even have enough trust and confidence in my love and leadership that, that you could take a step of faith in that direction and, and take that risk and go for it. Like that would be, that would be upsetting. And so I, I think I lost your original question, Kevin. That's all right. But that was really good. But that was, but you know, it's, it's when, and, and what we are saying is, is when heaven meets earth, what remains. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that 
you're revealing, it reveals something about us. It reveals um, what is most important and, and how we view God is revealed. And that's what you're saying is, is how we, how we receive from God and how we view God and how we relate to God is actually laying laid bare. And that came up this last week. It's laid bare. It is exposed. You are, you are seen. Um, and what you believe matters. What you believe is, is shown by how you actually live. Correct. Yep. And the product of your life, do Mm -hmm. the people around you flourish? Do the people Mm -hmm. that you are influencing and trusted with, are they, are they people who Right. Um, b- benefit from relationship with you, or yeah. are they? And and that parable actually also expanded my understanding of what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? Because yeah. it's like, yeah, we're supposed to, you know, we're asked to love God with our heart, heart, soul, mind, and strength, but also to love our neighbor as ourselves. So, who is my heart turned towards? not only God, but is my heart turned towards my family, towards my neighbor, Mm -hmm. towards those in need? Who are my thoughts filled with? You know, in addition to Jesus, like, am I thinking um, edifying thoughts about the people that he's planted me with? Am I using my strength, the work of my hands, Mm -hmm. um, the the gifts that he's giving me for the betterment of the kingdom and the people who, um, again, that he's he's put me with, you know, like it's just... It it was really um, it was really a profound exercise in you know mm-hmm. expanding my my um, my view of God and and what it means to be aligned with His kingdom. So as we as we unpack this series, as the architect put it together, mm-hmm. um, we referred oftentimes to um, the Garden of Eden, the creation story, because it it sets up what mm-hmm. heaven on earth looks like it's it's god walking with and having intimate relationship with his creation and there was nothing that was out of place in the garden it's why we kept going back there it's like okay because sin enters the world so that whole thing they get kicked out of the garden because they are not allowed to stay uh in that space because they no longer fit. There was this exodus out of the garden because the garden was without blemish. So they couldn't stay. So anyway, all that to say, uh, we kept coming back to that because ultimately that's the restoration picture. And so Mike, as you um, put this together, you kept referring back to that. And so from a theological standpoint, but also from just a a mere practical standpoint, how does, how does understanding the creation help us with how we live out heaven on earth now? Excellently. Um, Revelation 21 and 22 don't make any sense unless you've read Genesis one and two. <laughs> so when you realize that the, the end of the story and the beginning of the story are very similar it reframes what the problem is that God's solving. We think the problem is that human beings need a way to get to heaven. Mm-hmm. The actual problem that God is solving is what do I do with image bearers who were to um, 
to uh, reflect my goodness into the world, but have now become part of the pollution of it? How do I restore them to this, this, this image bearing and likeness that I intended for them? Mm-hmm. So uh, central to the work of, of Jesus, of course, is this idea that, that in his death, he broke the powers of the, this present age and he's inaugurated a new creation. He's inaugurated the age to come right here in the middle of human history. And then mm-hmm. you and I, by joining into that, get attached to this cosmic project the restoration. So the reason the creation stories matter is they tell us what we were created for, what God's purposes for us were. Mm-hmm. Then, then that gets reaffirmed in Revelation 21 and 22. And so when Jesus is coming on the earth, he's not telling people how to get to heaven. He's announcing his, just simply in his presence, mm-hmm. flee and sicknesses are cured. And I mean, it's just like the, the invasion of clean in the middle of a world of pollution. It's like this bubble of fresh air just that exists all around Jesus. And people are digging through roofs to get at it. And people are fighting for <laughs> crowds to just touch the hem of his robe. I mean, you just it's this, it's, it's this mass breakout of the kingdom of the heavens here on earth. And, mm-hmm. um, and so for me, the creation story is, told, is retold and revisited by Israel. It's retold and revisited in Jesus. It's retold mm-hmm. and revisited in the church. And it's also ultimately recapitulated in the end of the story, Revelation 21 and 22. So it's utterly foundational. And the Christian story, by the way, isn't just Genesis 1 and 2. It's Genesis 1 through 11. That whole mm-hmm. rippling thing of yeah. what, what, what our first forebearers unleashed into the world mm-hmm. uh, and the consequences of it. Um, mm-hmm. That's all one story. So that. Yeah. So the, yeah, the story of Genesis one and two isn't about it isn't explaining how the universe came to be. The story of Genesis one and two is really explaining how did we how did Israel get here, yeah, and how did it arrive at its particular vocation, right? But and and that helps to explain why why judgment is actually necessary. Yes, because um, prior creation itself has fallen, right. And so prior to, prior to Genesis three, there's no need for judgment. Right. The, the earth has not been polluted. God is able right. to live with his, his image bearers in mm-hmm. right relation. Absolutely. Right. But yeah, yeah Genesis three, he still lives with them, but mm-hmm. now, now there's pollution. Now there's, yeah. now there's distortion. Now the image bearers, Instead of instead of you know uh, dominating and um, reigning over creation, they've listened to creation instead. It's usurped their power, and now the humans mm-hmm. are bent towards using their image bearingness to glorify themselves. Right? right, culminating in the Tower of Babel, which in which Babylon becomes a central focus in the exile of Israel, and Babylon is the great foil. Uh, in uh, the book of Revelation. So you just have all of these themes that just get worked out through Adam, Eve, Israel, Jesus, church, and then um, gets re-summarized as the story closes. So true. That's great. great. So as (laughs) as the story closes, Susie, there was a question, um, and we're going to take a couple minutes on this. This might end up being a bigger conversation later. Yeah. Not maybe, probably it will. Um, 
Because one of the one of the primary questions that keeps getting prompted to us is what happens after we die. Mm-hmm. If if what he's saying, what what the Bible is saying, this isn't about um, do we go to heaven or not? Well, in its in its richest, but it's it's more about how heaven invades earth and how they're redone, remade, renewed, reconciled. Um, and and heaven is this place. Actually, it's the earth that we get to see remade, renewed, redone as it was intended to be. And uh, that's much more appealing to me as a place to be than a worship service for the rest of my life. Yeah. Because um, when I remember being as a kid going, I'm out. <laughs> this does not sound good unless they like place. But wow. Wow. Right. Pillows, pillows on hard pews better be there. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, anyway, life on earth without the sin, life on earth without the frustration, life without the pain, life without all the stuff that we have become accustomed to trying to battle and minimize um, is very appealing. But one of the questions we received, and I just want to touch on it briefly, is where does a soul go um, when they die? And I know, Mike, you said, I can speak to that. Uh, so, Susie, do you have thoughts on it? Do you want Mike to run on it? Or yeah, I mean, I kind of want to read the question because okay. it's, it's, yeah. it's a really good question. And I think from a human standpoint, I think mm-hmm. we all wonder this. And especially if you've ever been with someone who's dying, you know, mm-hmm. this, is, this, yeah. is, this is a big big deal for the human heart to, to, um, come to Mm -hmm. a place of peace and rest in those final days. But, um, she or he is asking, um, and and with the caveat, obviously this is not a completely answerable question because we don't know, but I feel like if I adopt a new view of what Jesus's return is, then I have to think about, um, what happens to us when we die. Do I believe my relatives are in heaven or all souls are with Jesus in a waiting period. Any thoughts mm-hmm. on this? Mm-hmm. And I mean, with the rise in zombie apocalypse mo- apocalypse movies, it's really hard not to imagine like what happens. Mm-hmm. Is everybody just like raised from the dead and start walking towards yeah. something? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's flesh. <laughs> but yeah, you want to go, Mike, and then I'll throw in my two cents, and then you clean it up. Uh, okay, uh, let's roll. <laughs> so, so N.T. Wright wrote a book called Surprised by Hope, which, in which he argues, um, uh, he argues that there is life after life after death. So the idea is that just as Sheol was the place in the Old Testament where the dead resided, um, the righteous dead reside in this place called heaven. But that isn't the final stop. That's just the first part of a round trip journey. So uh, we get various, just tiny, like the tiniest glimpses of things. Like Paul says, "I, when I'm absent with the body, I'll be present with the Lord. When, um, uh, when the the thief, you will be with me today in paradise, um, which was a common common Jewish trope about Eden. Um, you have these just tiny hints." Uh, that 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 the the souls before they're reunited, you know, 
with bodies, but even that we've talked about isn't a great way to picture it because we are souls. We don't just have souls. Um, uh, my personal thought with utterly no expertise is that we close our eyes uh, and we open them in new creation. That's personally, that's, so I don't, I don't think there's a holding tank. I don't think when we say things like, Hey, you know, everyone's watching uh, as if, if you were really in heaven and God was really present, you would find what I had for lunch. Super interesting. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Like someone's looking out for me. It's like, ah, I don't, I just so don't. That's not what the great cloud of witnesses is doing. No. <laughs> okay. No, the great cloud. Honest. Yeah. The great, I've always heard that too. The great cloud mm-hmm. of witnesses are the people who've walked before us realizing that our reward wasn't always going to be given in this life. Right. And their lives bear witness to Correct. what we have to hope in. Correct. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Hey, Boom. so let me add just one little wrinkle to that. Wrinkle it. And baby. we'll put a, we'll put a bow on this. I you actually can't think... put a bow on this, Kevin. There's no, no bow the, for this. The, I'm sorry. We put a bow on. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to close the, the podcast so people can plan to do something else. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, okay. I, th- I think the key to this is um, the answer to the question is, is we move from a timeline to no timeline. And uh, time in and of itself is part of creation. So we are assigned a season and a timeline on this planet in its current condition. Um, when we die, we step into timelessness. Mm-hmm. We step into a place where God exists without time because he is the creator of time. Okay. So I think what happens, and it's very similar to what Mike just said is, is that when we die, we all cross over at the same time, all of humanity of all time crosses over into this new renewed Eden, heaven. Um, And those things that don't belong get assigned to the place outside of heaven. I don't know if that does. Ultimately we, we don't freaking know. Right. And that's, but that makes the most sense to me because it is because to, to even, I, I, I like the idea of thinking about timelessness because t- time is a killer. Mm-hmm. Literally, time is a killer. Nobody beats it. Yeah. And, um, and in, in, in the Eden, there's no death. There's no killer. Right. Um, and, and there's going to be no sun to rise and no sun to set because what will ultimately be illumining heaven is Jesus. So there's, there's something to be said for this. I, you know, even our sleeping patterns are mirrored, mirroring death. So there's a, um, ah, man, five minutes is not enough. Anyway. So (laughs) I think, I think we get hints. I think we get pictures. I think we all, um, get resurrected bodies. And I don't think it is um, as complicated as we want to make it. Mm-hmm. I think actually it is the, the precursor was Jesus, the firstborn from the dead, the first fruits. And he gives us a picture of what it's going to be like. Yeah. So all that to say, yeah, <laughs> um, we are with Jesus.
one way or another, we're with Jesus. Because we are now. Death doesn't yeah. separate us from Jesus. We're with Jesus now, and we'll be with Jesus when we die. And we will be with him forever. Amen. That's, that's the best way to think of it. So all that to say, I love this series. I am really looking forward to our series on Mark. I love the supernatural pieces in that. I'm really looking forward to Easter because Easter is the best day of the year. Last year sucked because we were in COVID um, and our building was under construction. So this year we actually are open and we'll be able to gather. And I am so excited about that. And we're going to talk about the resurrection. Go figure. Thank you, Susie. Thank you, Mike. Um, thank you for a great series. And uh, we look forward to talking with you again in a couple weeks or next week. And you have a great day. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Journey Now. If you enjoy the podcast, hey, do us a favor. And why don't you leave us a review or share uh, an episode with your friends or whatever it is you can do to help us get Journey Now out to more people in the world. You can also subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Anchor, Overcast, Spotify, you name it. Today's episode of Journey Now was engineered by Justin Glotzbach. Kaylee Sullivan created our amazing graphics. Kristen Fields helps get the word out through social media and every other means about Journey Now. Austin Fields, possible relation to Kristen, composed and performed our groovy music. And Randy Hansen takes care of all the technical things that no one else can possibly figure out. Thanks again for joining us today, and be sure and come back tomorrow for another episode of Journey Now.